Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the fifth episode of the Shea Station podcast brought to you by John Boy Media. It's the newest Mets podcast on John Boy Media. I don't know if I can still say newest every time we bring in an episode because now we're on episode five. So, you know, we're, get, we're getting pretty deep into it a little bit. But uh, I'm one of your co-hosts, Jolly Olive, also known as Jack, whatever you want to call me. It's a mixed bag in the office, too. I'm Jack. I'm Jolly. It's kind of all over the place. And joining me today is my wonderful co-host, a guy that has done some things in some major sports leagues. It's Jerry Blevins. Now, Jerry, I wanted to ask you first because you had a tough time this weekend uh, when we were. I was trying to chat yes. with you, talk about the pod, talk about how we're doing and stuff like that. You had a little dilemma going on. What was going on there? Yeah. Yeah. So my wife um, has been renovating a house like that's her. Now that I'm done working and retired, it's her turn to take you know, take the helm and, and do what she's done. And so she's been like renovating this lake house. And uh, so she got a nail in the tire and it was like a slow leak. Uh, and then it was a fast leak all at once. <laughs> and so while I was talking to you, the car dealership had to come pick up the car and, and pump it with the, the, the air compressor because I don't have one. That's something that I, you know, as a man now, I need an air compressor. Yeah. Just something super loud in the garage. They don't teach you that in school that you need an air compressor as a man. And plus, you know, I grew up, you know, a single mom uh, renting places. So we never really had hardware stuff to take. We'd just be like, hey, uh, your your toilet's leaking. You have to come fix it. We're paying <laughs> rent here. <laughs> and so, you know, everything's new to me. So I YouTube everything. Uh, a flat tire is something that I could take care of, but uh, why not let the experts do their thing? So I might have to buy an air compressor. I feel like as a man, you need the world's loudest, most obnoxiously loud thing in a garage and I'll just turn it on randomly. That way my neighbors know, or at least I'm pretending that I know what I'm doing in the garage, just doing manly stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like, cause I, I had tire problems a couple of years ago and like, it, it does make you feel manly when it's like blaringly loud. And I, like my dog isn't afraid of anything like vacuums, thunderstorms, all none of it, but the air compressor, the tire filler. <laughs> oh my God. My dog goes ballistic. Even when she's in the yard and I'm in the garage, she can't take it. She'll like run inside and stuff. So I do feel a little bad when that happens, but it makes me yeah, feel like crank that thing man. up. Yeah, man, I got to got to fill those tires. Yeah. And plus it like, if your neighbor comes over, it's like, Hey, how many PSI is that? You're like, huh, I can't hear you. It's too loud in here. I can't answer those questions. I know the answers, but I can't because I can't. Hear I'm just, I'm far too busy. It's far too loud in here. I'm being far too manly to answer your questions. Yeah. Excuse me. I'm, I'm going to go drink my coffee, wash my hands with the orange goop. Yeah, We're course. good. Get the rust on your hands a little bit. It takes like forever to wash it off. It's the good stuff. It's like pine tar. You know? need some shop rags, yeah. all the above. It's like I gotta get. Tie. I gotta be more manly. I guess so. But until then, so we had a four-game set with the Dodgers, and uh, it's the Dodgers. So it went pretty much as you might expect. More one-run losses, more hard-fought battles. We luckily squeaked one out at the end. Me and Jared are gonna give you the full recap today. Game one was on August nineteenth. Uh, the Mets lost that one 4-1. to This was probably the worst performance of the series by the team. Uh, Tywon Walker looked good again. You know, six innings, four in runs. He's continued his steady streak of good starts. Uh, Alonzo had multiple hits because he usually does. And his hit streak is currently at eight games by the end of this series. We'll touch on that a little bit later. But the Mets went quiet against the Dodgers bullpen game. I had said on the last pod that I thought this was going to be the one where the Mets could really capitalize and try and split the series. Uh, they went 0 for 2 with runners in scoring position, just going to show how little opportunities they had. Uh, the lone run was from a J.D. Davis RBI double, and then that was just kind of it against the Dodgers bullpen. So the Dodgers, you know, we, we, we overrated their, I don't want to say we overrated, but we definitely heightened uh, 
their rotation over their bullpen, but their bullpen is still very strong, especially uh, considering that we just faced the Giants' bullpen before. So that was a tough loss to take, only one run. Uh, it was a little bit better showing in games two and three, though. All right, that brings us into game two. We got to see Cookie Carrasco face off against Walker Bueller. And that continued what was been like the story of this road trip is where the Mets fall down early, uh, scratch some runs late, and just fall, you know, one, two runs short. And so um, Pete Alonso hits a big home run in the fourth inning, but the eighth inning was the story of the game for us. We had uh, work the bases loaded. McNeil takes a, a bad strike three call, gets tossed, you know, you know, goes berserk a little bit as he's been known to do, but this one rightfully so. Yeah, it was warranted for sure. We work the bases loaded. Pete Alonso gets an infield single that, that scores a run. They bring in a lefty. Walker Bueller gets tossed on his way out the door. Um, they bring in the lefty to face Conforto. Conforto makes this amazing AB to work a walk. Bases loaded. That brings up J.D. Davis. And he punches out looking on a fastball from a lefty. And that really is, is the end of the game for us because Janley comes in and slams the door shut. That was the eighth inning. It was a big punch out looking. And it, it just stinks because you got past the hard part of getting Conforto on base versus the lefty. And then you get the lefty killer and he strikes out looking. It's like, that was the, it was the most painful game. That was a heartbreaker. Tough. Yeah, that was the tough one because uh, like you said, he ran Bueller out who was throwing amazing. Uh, you you can't overcame some adversity with McNeil going down there um, on a bad pitch call. And then, you know, the infield single from Pete and then the punch out looking. So that was a tough one. Um, Cookie actually pitched really well. The the Dodgers manufactured a couple of runs early off of him, had runners in scoring position and sacrifice with just simple ground balls to the right side. But uh, that brings us into game, game number three uh, of the four-game set. That's face Rich Hill versus Max Scherzer. Um, Rich Hill actually pitched really well. He went five. He gave up three solo shots. Um, but Max Scherzer was the story. We ran him out after five. Uh, really worked him, made him work. Um, Nimmo had a great game with three for five with a solo shot. Um, but again, it was a story. You fall down early and get just enough runs in and, and not to, to lose big, but, uh, just couldn't do it. And so Nimmo went three for five with the solo shot. Um, McNeil had a big double Pete had a hit, uh, hit by pitch Conforto had a big walk. It brings up JD with the bases loaded. Once again, this time he goes down swinging uh scherzer got him improvement <laughs> hey man you're <laughs> gonna make mistakes make them aggressive and yeah. so uh that was it for us um we had a two-out rally where mcneil walks pete hits a big home run um uh, but after that we we shut the door um once again just i think we went down like seven eight in a row after that but uh bases loaded was our big chance and we didn't come through in game three just like game two yeah, and it was just the Dodgers bullpen again. Like, they just really shut us down. And, like, I really did think the legwork of facing the Dodgers was going to be getting their starters out and capitalizing on the bullpen, but the bullpen was just solid. Like, they really didn't let us back in. Big note for Game 3 was that the Mets had a base runner in every inning and only scored three runs. Big one. I mean, even when you get these runners on first and, like, somebody reached on an error, it's just still, like, you have to be able to capitalize more often than that. And they just got to scratch one or two across you face and you ran Scherzer out after five. That's huge. You, you, you grinded, you felt like you, you gave yourself an opportunity to win and you just didn't come through. 
earlier in the season, you're going to feel better about it. But now these are the games you have to win when you give yourself those chances. And so, yeah, here we are. And that brought us into Sunday's game, game four. So it, it, game four was the one we finally scratched out. We didn't get four games swept. That would have been a rough way to come home. The Mets won this one seven to two. Uh, they scored three runs in the first inning. And I just want to highlight how uh, impossibly difficult I thought this would be for the Mets to get not only one run, but three. Uh, they were facing off against David Price, who is a left-handed starting pitcher. And if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I constantly document how much the Mets suck against lefty starting pitchers. They have a 649 OPS against left-handed starters this year. So they've been stymied by like guys like Patrick Corbin that other teams are battering and, and stuff like that. They also have a 706 OPS in the first inning this year. And I feel like I haven't seen them score first inning runs in like two weeks, like since uh, the Red Series or something like that. But uh, Javier Baez returned. He had an early double that got the run scoring uh, going in the first, along with Jonathan VR. J.D. Davis uh, kind of redeemed himself a little bit in this game. He went two for four with a homer and four RBIs. That was big for him, I think, just as like a confidence boost. We're going to talk about why that's important in a little bit because of uh, Lindor coming back and what that means for J.D. and Jeff McNeil and Dom, but we'll get to that later. Brendan Nimmo reached base four times, two hits and two walks. He's been heating up a lot at the top of the lineup, which is huge because Pete Alonso comes right after him, so that's more opportunities for him. The Mets score seven on a day where, said Pete Alonso, goes one for four with three strikeouts. I also thought that was pretty big because Alonzo's been carrying the offense, it seems, every day. And on a day where he had a pretty rough go of it, the offense picked him up, which was nice. Uh, Marcus Stroman is a winner again. He spends another fantastic outing against the Dodgers. Uh, six innings pitched, two earned, uh, six innings pitched, two earned runs, two walks, four hits, six Ks. Another quality start for him. We keep bringing up this two earned run stat, but I just love it so much. And I think it really highlights how efficient Stroman is. Oh, he only trails Kevin Gausman and Walker Bueller for starts with two earned runs or fewer allowed this season with 19. The other two have 20. And he now has a 3.0 ERA over his last seven starts. So Stroh continues to shove, continues to warrant this potential payday in the offseason that I think the Mets should give him. Well, that remains to be seen. I don't know if that's the direction they're going to go in because there is a lot of starting pitcher options like Gausman, who we just mentioned, like Carlos Rodon. There's plenty of places the Mets can go. But if they want to go for Stroh, I think that's a pretty good move, honestly. I think that's money well spent. Yeah, I think he's proved that he could pitch in this market, which is important. He handles the media fairly well with the poo-poo takes. Um, but he's he's a hell of a pitcher. And if that's what you want on your team, you go ahead and pay that guy. Um, you know how he is in the clubhouse after having him on the team for uh, almost two years now. And so if you like his character, if you like the way he performs, pay the man. Uh, he's done amazingly well on the field. He's really kind of carried this team um since DeGrom went down I think he's he's more than proved himself capable of 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 manning the the top end of a rotation you know maybe not your true number one but we don't need that we have the best pitcher on the planet when he's healthy when he's healthy when he's uh and Jacob DeGrom and so he would slide in and be like maybe one of the best number twos in the game so yeah, and if you remember when Stroh originally uh, was circulating in trade rumors when he was on the Blue Jays, all he kept saying was he wants to play for a competitive team. He wants to play for a team that's going to be in the playoffs. Yeah. And, you know, the Mets, with their five-year plan, they're looking to, you know, win the East from here on in. I don't know if it's going to work out this year, but I'm sure they're going to be gunning hard in free agency to make sure that's a constant mainstay. So if I'm Stroh, that's definitely in the back of my mind. Like, I want to see how the team spends money outside of me how they build the team. And then, you know, if I think they're good enough to take the East, I, I would take the payday because I'm sure the Mets are going to be dishing out paydays better than anybody just with the, the payroll they're going to have. That's what we're hoping. That's for. what I'm hoping for. That's the, that's been the talk <laughs> for the past year. So I'm hoping he shows up, but with that remains to be seen. 
you brought up a good point about this game four and was it uh we scored three runs early right first inning i feel like we haven't done that we've we felt like we've been behind every single game that way when we fight back we're we're only down one and everything's leaning on these one at bat or these big moments in the game whereas you know you you score first you're able to have a little bit of breathing room and then if when your starter you know inevitably gives up a run or two it isn't like all right now we're down you know two to nothing now now we're like you know it's a close ball game it's just different it's so much easier when you score first or even if you just score early you don't have to pinch yourself into those seventh, eighth, ninth innings where you have to get some runs in. So it was, that was huge for me. Um, you sent me a text saying, Oh man, we need to pull this off. Like this would be huge. And it is, it was huge. It feels great. It ends the road trip. That's been tough. The hardest, this is going to be the hardest stretch of games on any schedule in this whole major leagues. And it's coming now. They feel like they probably got a good breath of fresh air yesterday with the off day, a good night's sleep in their own bed. Um, they wake up and have to face these giants again to start this homestand. But it feels like to me, it feels like that stretch is over and you're starting it here. So, yeah, I think they ended it well. They fought. They 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 showed some heart against two of the best teams in the game. And I think they're ready to come out fighting today. I sure hope so. I know, like I, I agree with what you're saying, because like you're coming home which is big because I think the, the the middle leg of this with the being on the road against these teams makes it all the more difficult and the fact that you're playing them consecutively and stuff like that. But, like, you know, we're starting to see the other key players kind of heat up a little bit. Like, Brandon Nimmo, he went 7 for 16. He got a home run, a couple Beautiful. walks. Like, he was doing – he was playing his game. He was playing, like, good, good at bats, working counts. Like, you talked about how he marked a bunch of pitches against Max Scherzer. A lot of that was Brandon Nimmo. Uh, he reached uh, base safely in seven of his last eight games. So he's doing what he should be doing. He was slumping there for a little bit. Pete Alonso, obviously, doing what he usually does. Six for 16, two bombs, four RBIs. He now has 11 home runs and a 925 OPS in the second half. So, you know, he's doing his usual thing, and I'm sure he's going to continue to. Even though his home numbers aren't great, it's still it's nice to get a little bit more lineup protection because now you got Javi Baez back in the mix, and he made an immediate impact. Also, I think he... He might have outslid Trey Turner. I'm not going to lie. I haven't decided which one I like more yet. <laughs> but I like I, Trey Turner's was like smooth and Hobbies was like goofy, but I like goofy, you know? Uh, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a lefty. I like goofy too. So I'd like to see a side by side there to compare them. I, 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 I would be amiss if I didn't mention the bullpen. Of course. They, they, they pitched their butts off once again. They went 11 innings, gave up only two hits, four walks, 10 punchies one earned run in this series. And that one earned run came uh, in a Miguel Castro kind of, you know, blow up inning where he gave up a single and then walked three consecutive guys to bring that run in. And he's been so good too. He's been so good. And so it's nice. If Familia came in with bases loaded, one run in, nobody out and got out of it against that lineup, huge. And so the bullpen, as usual, all season, they really, really pitched their butts off. Um, and that, uh, that day off couldn't have come at a better time because they all needed it. And I do feel bad because I feel like Familia's performance just went completely unnoticed because the Mets lost that game, but still like, yeah, that, that could have been, that, that could have been the play of the game. It really was because it kept the Mets in the game. Right. And, and they, you know, they, they fought back and, and still lost, but he, he is, that was a pivotal moment where the Dodgers normally are probably shooting themselves in the foot right there because they didn't capitalize because those are the big moments. But. And Familia's kind of had a rough go of it too, so I think that was a huge confidence booster for him as well. He's not He wasn't getting used as much this series, which is good. 
because he, he was used three days in a row back in the original Dodgers series. So I think having the bullpen reset, having some great performances out of pretty much everybody, like Seth Lugo had a couple Ks in his, his inning. Trevor May seems back to normal. Edwin Diaz got to come in in the last win. So everybody got a little taste. Everyone is, I'm assuming, feeling refreshed because I think we're going to need them for this Giants series if you want to remain you know, competitive in these games. Trevor Trevor Williams came out of the bullpen as well and, and threw two shutout innings, so that was nice. You know, For him to be able to, to step into the bullpen, which is not easy, the whole routine, and to look great doing it. And so that was, that was encouraging because that'll help, you know, once we start to, you know, figure out where these innings are going to go, if he can come in out of the bullpen, that's going to up his chances of, of getting in more ball games. Yeah, for sure. And you have that doubleheader coming up against Washington. I'm sure Trevor is probably going to get a start there, but for now it seems like long relief. I had aired the idea of maybe doing a three innings of cookie or Hill and then three innings of Trevor sort of combining them into one six inning start. But, you know, uh, Cookie and Hill both went five. Cookie had his best start, so that was definitely really encouraging uh, for both of them. Rich Hill just got tagged by some solo shots, but other than that, I thought he looked solid. So maybe that's Yeah, pools, man. He kills lefties. He jumps on it, man. He's still doing it. Yeah, watching him hit, he had like, was it 670-something? Yeah. He's chasing down 700. We just saw Miguel Cabrera get 500. It's amazing. Miguel Cabrera, so I came up in the American League, and what Pujols was doing in St. in St. Louis, I like never got to see it in person because we, you know, never played them. But I got to see what Miggy did in his prime, and that was the best right-handed hitter I've ever seen. Like just pure hitter for a guy that big and then playing in that park, he could do anything. Hit the ball the other way with power, just super impressive. So I'm happy for Miggy, one of the best personalities in the game, one of the best players of all time. But I just wanted to make sure we acknowledge that. Yeah, I think your your first season was 2010. I think. Was that Mickey's Triple Crown year or was that 2012? Because I know 2012 they went that to the World Series. That was 2012. Okay. I first got called up in seven. Yeah. Um, but that 12, 2012, 2013 season with the A's, I think if we get by, especially in 2012, we, we faced them in the division series and we got Verlander in game five both times. But Mickey hit a couple of big home runs. Um, I'm still bitter about it. I really do think we win the World Series in Oakland in 2012 because we had so much momentum. Yeah, um, we just got we just got beat by a better you know better ball club at the time. And that was the Coco Crisp walk off, right? I think in like Game Four. Coco had yeah. one of those. Yeah, it yeah. was big. We we lost the first two games of that five game series on the road. We were actually should have been hosting, but because they expanded the playoffs that year, the the schedule was messed up so we actually played two there three at home and we lost heartbreakers to them in detroit for the first two and then won the first two at our place and then then we got verlandered in game five man and yeah the reason why this is fresh in my mind is because i just talked about jared parker former teammate of yours who had that one awesome season in 2012 and then you know got the injury bug which sucks but yeah he he was like the ace he i think he's t- he had game one i think he went up against verlander nasty where did you talk about to J- about jared parker i did a, a segment on like forgotten rookie stars because parker's first full season was with those a's and he was like the de facto yeah, he, ace. he was nasty and then he, he just threw never like upper healthy. 90s and had a just like a like a upper 70s change up yeah. like you he know, was sick. Like he really was good. Fernando Rodney style fastball changeup yep, combo. Exactly. But yeah, I don't know how we got here, but I just thought that would be interesting to bring. I'm up. sorry, that's my fault. I'm Let's sorry. go. Always talk about the big league days. So we we had hinted at this before. <laughs> um, Francisco Lindor, the word on the street. There's no confirmation yet, but it's very much looking like he's going to be activated today. By the time you're listening to this pod, it could already be uh, set in stone that he's coming back. 
It looks like Lindor is going to be in the lineup tonight or maybe activated during tonight's game. Uh, and this means a lot of things for the Mets lineup. One, they get their field general back. They get the best defensive shortstop in the National League back, arguably. It means Baez moves to second base, and we have one of the best middle infields maybe in Mets history. But it also means something for the rest of the guys in the lineup, especially the ones that have been struggling bad. Now, we had talked about J.D. Davis not coming up big in those bases-loaded spots, but he had a good game in the final game. In fact, you don't win game four without Davis's bat because he drives in Correct. four runs. Yep. Um, so the Mets are inclined to keep Davis at third despite the defense, which has been better as of late, honestly. I haven't seen it be too bad uh, other than that throw and the, the Pete comment or whatever. I didn't read too much into that because that's just you're in the middle of the game, like you're getting mad, whatever. Um, but it also means that Jeff and Dom are probably going to have to split time, and they just haven't been producing lately. So it kind of makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you you bring in – it's a good problem to have. You bring in somebody back that has the ability to, to make such an impact, and we're riding the hot hand. We don't have a lot of time left to let guys figure it out or, or work through something. And so, you know, whoever it, the case may be, they would sit whoever needed down. And, and unfortunately for, for Jeff and Dom, it's probably – going to be matchups for them, at least for the foreseeable future here. They're going to be split in time depending on past performance. But um, anytime you get Francisco Lindor back, a guy at his level, you got to be happy. And as a team player, you know, he's better than you. Like it's bottom line. I don't care who you are in that, in that offense, he's going to make the team better and, and you'll swallow your pride and, and do whatever it takes for the Mets to be better. And so that's, if that's you taking a back seat, you'll do it happily. Just go into the cage and work on it, man. Yeah, and it, it honestly could be a good thing for Jeff and Dom because now they really just get to play into their splits. I mean, they're probably going to split time and left. It's going to be an adjustment for McNeil, who hasn't played much outfield at all this year. Has in the past, but, you know, you definitely got to, you know, get used to it again. Uh, McNeil's four for his last 37. Dom is one for his last 25. He's marred in a bad slump, probably the worst of his career. Uh, but Jeff's splits against righties are good, and Dom is a reverse splits guy, so he's good against lefties. It's kind of just a match made in heaven, and I think you got to keep J.D. in there if you want to reinvigorate this offense and start putting up four or five runs a game. You need his bat in the middle of the lineup. It also means that Pete's probably going to get shifted in the lineup because he, he's been batting second a lot, but that's sort of Lindor's spot, so maybe Pete's bat's third. It leaves Rojas with some options, which is nice because he hasn't had options for the past month or so. Yeah, I'm curious where they're going to put Pete because he's really been a spark plug, like the one of the huge bright spots um, right behind Nimmo. So Nimmo's your leadoff guy. Uh, I think you slide Lindor right into there and just kind of bump everybody back and let Pete hit third. Um, but we'll see, man. It's exciting. It's a good stretch, and and we got our we got our health. So yeah, I mean, health is is the key thing here. I actually wanted to look at how Pete has performed. Uh, based on where he's batted. So Pete bats 307 with a 939 OPS as the three hitter and 256 with an 884 as the two hitter. So it's not much of a start I mean, difference. That's good and that's that's really good and great. So. Yeah, exactly. So it's not going to I don't think it's going to Pete bats 300 as a three hitter? Yeah. Oh, let's let's let him hit 3. That's Hall of Fame numbers right there. If Nimmo is getting on base regularly and maybe Lindor is back again, like he's performing better, then, you know, maybe you have runners on base and maybe you have to throw more fastballs to Pete, and I'm sure he would love that. So all good things. So hopefully we see him tonight. I agree. We got more injury reports here. Uh, a couple more things. Noah Syndergaard, he's expected to start his rehab assignment this week. We don't know if that's actually going to come to fruition, but that is the plan. Uh, we don't know where that's going to be either, but we've seen Noah throw some bullpens. We saw him throw some live at-bats. 
So it seems like we might have Noah for September. And I really, like, if you had asked me in May, I thought Noah probably should have been shut down this year. But he's made significant progress recently. I, wa- I wanted to gauge how you're feeling about it. Like, do you like that he's coming back, or do you think they should just keep him away from all this? I think he's, I think he's in his rehab area. He needs to start throwing now based off of how you want him to perform next season. It's time for him. I don't think I could. I wouldn't personally count on him helping the big ball club um, this year, but I would push for him to be next year. Like Just like with DeGrom, anything, if we get either one of those guys, it's going to just be a huge bonus, but I wouldn't count on it. I don't want to put that pressure on him to come back. You don't want him to not be ready. You saw kind of what it did with Carrasco, and he just had, you know, not just had, but he had a lower body injury versus your arm stuff. And so he's missed so much time, so much competitive pitching um, that you want Syndergaard to feel ready, get those competitive games in where they're they're actually facing real hitters in real game situations and let him get his feet wet because it's been a long time. You don't want to throw him into, you know, a race for your lives in, in, in New York and to have him have that, you know, he could handle it, but to have him have that extra pressure on top of rehab, I think that's too much to ask of a, of a human being, even uh, a superhuman like, like Thor. Yeah. And we know that he's not going to be returning in a starter capacity, thankfully, because I think that would burn out his arm like that. Um, so it's going to be in long relief, if at all, which I think will be more comfortable for him. I'm sure he wants to get back on the mound for five, five innings, but you just can't let him do that at this juncture. But definitely towards next season, you, you want to build him up towards that again so you can have him back in the rotation. A guy that could join the rotation is Jordan Yamamoto, who just threw an inning with the FCL Mets. He could return in a week. He came up for the Mets during a Marlins series, had a couple okay outings, and then got injured. He's been on the 60-day for a while. He could uh, come up and eat some serious innings in, in place of maybe like a bad Rich Hill start or a bad cookie start, sort of like what we were talking about with Trevor Williams. So it's nice to have two of those guys instead of just one, especially if you're playing some double headers later on. Yeah, I like what Jordan brings to the table. I think he's got good stuff, good poise. He's young still. Um, so you want to kind of take it easy with him. Um, I don't think he's going to be the answer in the rotation for us. And I don't think that's fair of the Mets if that's what they want to do with him, especially because he's missed so much time. Um, but he's a good piece and a good pitcher and a, and a good piece of the Mets' future. So uh, I wish him nothing but the health. Yeah, man, me too. And he's also got like seven pitches, which is insane. I checked baseball savant on that recently. It's crazy. It's pretty fun. I was talking to him. I was like, well, what do you throw here? And he's just like showing me all these like different things. I'm like, I just, I don't have that in me. I'm very simple. I'm not good enough to do these, you know, smaller manipulations. Yeah. I feel like it would just hurt my, but he, he is good. I was surprised when Miami let him go. Um, and then Milwaukee, Miami, that, that whole combination, I thought he fit their rotation really well. Um, but I think he's a good piece. It's another front office win for the Mets. So he's he's going to be a good ball player. Yeah, that was one of my favorite uh, low-key moves of the offseason because the Mets made a, a plethora of depth moves that have gone unsung because of how injuries have plagued this team. But Jordan Yamamoto was a great pickup for virtually nothing. So that was awesome. Uh, the Mets finally bit the bullet on James McCann. He got 10-day IL'd for his back spasms. So Mazika and Chancisco played the entirety of the uh, Los Angeles series. We don't have a timetable on him. I'm assuming it's going to be similar to Javier Baez. He's going to do the minimum. They're going to check on his back. If he's good, he's good, and he's going to come back in. If not, the Mets have a bit of a catching dilemma for September, but I'm sure that is the least of their problems right now. They have focuses elsewhere uh, for sure. And then Jose Martinez, uh, he, he's doing his rehab, assi- rehab assignment as well. Uh, he homered for AAA Syracuse, so that was nice to see. 
I don't know when he's going to come back because he's still starting out a little bit slow. I think he needs a few more reps in the minor leagues before he makes an appearance. So he could just wait until September when the rosters expand. Uh, so I don't think the Mets are going to bite the bullet on uh, DFAing Pilar since they've gone this whole season with him and have him under contract for pretty cheap next year. So it's probably going to be a September return for Jose Martinez. That would be my guess. Yeah, he's missed so much time too. You you want him to get as many ABs as he can and and calling him up early would be, you know, foolish for for multiple reasons. The number one being he just can't get those at-bats that you can in the minor leagues. Um he needs him. He needs to face pitching and uh it looks like he's almost ready. So it'll be a good addition, another another boost to that that roster size expansion in September. The Mets could definitely use a little bit of pop uh, considering their their slugging numbers and home run numbers this year. So Jose Martinez could be a provider for that. Could not. We, we don't know. Don't expect too much out of him because he's missed six months. He played, he played like one spring training. He's a good game. ball player, man. He's had, he's had a heck of a career. And so anytime you can get some type of uh, veteran presence, you know, especially coming off the bench in tight situations, uh, that'd be huge. Yeah. And uh, so the Mets have the Giants coming up again. Uh, they're back at home. Their series starts tonight. All games are at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And the Mets are actually kind of lucking out here because the last time we were in San Fran, we caught Disclafani, we caught Logan Webb, and we caught Kevin Gosman. Now we're not getting any of those guys. We're getting the other side of the Giants rotation, which is much more easy, I think, to attack on and maybe score some runs. And, you know, I've talked a lot about momentum, and I've been wrong pretty much every time I've brought it up. But I am feeling it a little bit again because, you know, what's the definition of insanity? But the Mets put up seven runs, and now they got uh, Sammy Long tonight. Sammy Long is a rookie for the Giants of 5.72 ERA. He's only gone six innings once, which means you're probably going to get the Giants bullpen a lot tonight. And going for us is Tyler McGill, who just held the Giants to one run over six innings. So, again, I'm going to say this. Maybe it's a curse. Maybe I should stop doing it. If it fails again, I'm going to stop after this. But this is the game you. that you should absolutely take if you're the Mets. You need no. to beat Sam. So Long. again, come on. This from from a from a player's perspective, you can't put your you can't put all your eggs in one basket because if you fall short in this first game, you're going to be heartbroken. You know what you got to do is win the series. We got three games. You got to take two of them. That's what you got to do. If you take three, even better. But I think our chances are in this first game very good. Okay. But like you said, their bullpen, their bullpen is very strong. And anytime you that's why the Rays started doing it, a bullpen game, it's hard to face a new pitcher, you know, every time through. There's a reason why um that the, the teams like the Rays were doing it, because it's a huge advantage. So those bullpen games seem like you should get an advantage, but it's really not. Um we also face Johnny Cueto, who is one of my favorite human beings on the planet. Uh, one of the best uh, Instagram followers. So if you want to do that. Oh, I didn't know and that. Also, you know, being in uh, camp with them in 2020 before um, COVID hit, I had a chance to be around Johnny Cueto. That guy is so smart about pitching and he's so willing to share it. He speaks openly to younger guys. I'm super impressed by him. That being said, I hope he put up like 42 runs off of him in the first inning. I would be okay with that, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, but I like our chances. You got Walker and Cueto there. Then you got Cookie versus Alex Wood, a left-handed starter, but he's he's hittable. And we're, like you said, we're building momentum. If we want to win in the playoffs, we want to make it to the playoffs, we have to hit lefties. And so we've got our chance. This feels like the end of that stretch run of just San Francisco and LA, all these best teams. But really to me, this feels like the beginning 
of a push. This doesn't feel like, oh my gosh, we're almost out of the clear. I feel like we're out of the clear now. Yeah. That could be my optimism thinking about, you know, what's looking forward and, and getting through that because we got our butts kicked on the road. We played well, but we didn't win many ball games. And so I feel like now, including this series against LA is a chance for us to start really building momentum and, and start running downhill and, and just carry that uh, and we got to start, and let's do it tonight. Let's get on the board early. Yeah, we, we constantly bring up the 15 uh, or the 14 games against Washington and Miami, but a good way to kickstart that is taking two out of three from the best team in baseball. And I think this this is the best chance you're going to get because you're not facing their three-headed monster in the rotation. You're probably going to get a lot of their bullpen, but that means that their bullpen might tire out, and maybe that creates some more opportunities. And also, you're getting Francisco Lindor back. So you're getting two big middle infielders back in the span of two days. So... I mean, if it doesn't happen here, it might it might not happen. Yeah, so th- that's what I mean. We got to start playing now. When you when you face excuse me when you face Washington and Miami coming up, if you play really poor against the Giants, that's going to put so much pressure on you again to have to do it. And so if you just start to play good baseball, which it seems to me like they were doing it, um, they just faced really good ball ball clubs. And so if you you're now you're at home. Now you just start playing good baseball, and once you get through San Francisco here, hopefully you take two or three at least, you start to get a competition a little bit down. And so if you continue that good play, that should carry you. And uh, we've got a lot of a lot of hill to climb. So Yeah. So the Mets, uh, we talked about options before. Uh, the Brandon Jury, I think, is a nice option for game two. Uh, seven for ten with three RBIs against Cueto in his career. So he's got Cueto's number. I'd expect to see him get a start there. But then again, I said that about uh, Pilar against Gosman, and we didn't see him in that game. So what do I know? Maybe I should be managing the Mets. Maybe I know, I ruined be. my triple call. Yeah, I know. It would have been a good one if it worked, though. He would have got a triple right in front of Pete. Yeah. And I would have been right. That's just, that was a fact. It's messed up. Rojas took that away from you. And then Taiwan, who's been uh, ever improving with each start, it seems. He has a 3.86 ERA in his past three, all against winning teams, which was uh, the Phillies and the Dodgers. So he's had those starts. He's, he's going to get the Giants for the first time here. He ducked them in the last series. And then, you know, Cookie going in game three. We just talked about Cookie had his best start of the season so far. Maybe he can build on that. You have Javier Baez back. He's four for 10 with an RBI against Wood. So those are good numbers there. And Wood has been struggling recently after a really hot start to the season for him in those first two months. He has a 5.74 ERA in his past five. He's improved in recent starts, but those came against teams like the Rockies and stuff like that. So... I'm not asking for a sweep. I'm asking for a series win, but like this is a, I That's, think this is the best series to lead us into the next, if that makes sense. Like I wouldn't want four with think, the Dodgers here. You know what I mean? Yep. I, I'm excited for this. We're going to face a lot of their bullpen. You've got, you know, basically a spot start in Sammy Long, I think. You got Cueto coming off the IL and he's going to be shorthanded. Then Alex Wood, who's been struggling. Um, so you want to get to him early and hopefully we tire out their bullpen get to him a little bit early and and we're able to 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 put some runs on the board score early it's such a key it's so it, like you see you saw what it did in game four it kind of just gave them a little bit of you know a chance to take a deep breath and, and relax and they started to add on from there and so if you if you put yourself in a hole early it, it feels like you're you know you're you're drowning on your way to try to reach to the top whereas if you you put up some runs it feels like you're just floating in the pool laying on that that nice little uh, penguin floaty with your cup holders and your pina coladas, whatever the Ooh, case may be. Colada, very nice choice. You ever have like a like a Malibu Bay Breeze? It's like the Malibu rum, some cranberry juice, and pineapple juice. It's like a very tropical drink. I highly recommend it. It's my drink of choice. I've had yes, 
yes i have had pretty much every beach drink that okay. there is good i'm more of a simple give me some tequila on the rocks maybe wow. a twist of lime just That's a it? sipper just a sipper yeah i don't want to be i don't want anything to sneak up on me i don't want to drink like these amazing tasting drinks have like six of them and then fall down off the bar stool when i when i leave i want to know what i'm what i'm putting into my okay. body and with tequila you can taste it, and I can I can space it out a little bit. Well, you know what my go-to is? My go-to is a nice Moscow mule. Throw, like, a whole lime in there. You ever have one of those? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, good. I, I can't do vodka. I, can't I normally vodka. can't, but I do love mules. <laughs> I hate vodka. I don't do shots or anything like that, but I love Moscow mules. There's just something. I love lime. I can have I can have uh, uh, vodka in a Bloody Mary, super spicy on the golf course to like start a day if you need be. Okay. That's not uh, but for the most part, I, I just I had too many experiences in college with vodka and I avoid it as much as I can. Yeah. Me and, me and you both brother. Like, I'm, I'm I can do a away. gin martini instead. Yeah. Well, no, we're, we're, getting, gin? we're getting past Ugh. ourselves. Gin. Come on. I like a I like a good gin drink. That's, that's not, an old man drink right there. That's an old man drink. Look at you. That's very Christmassy. Uh, my name is Jerry. I'm like a built-in old man. That's so gotta be, well, I mean, you were talking about that air compressor. You're like a real man's man now. So you got <laughs> to drink gin. I don't think I can drink. Yeah, I don't think a gin. I might be like a warm bush light just sitting, not even in a fridge, like just an sitting Luke, in the garage. You know I mean? Just it, Yeah, exactly. You don't even need a cold. Just give me that warm one right there and just pop it. Oh, I, see, I heard a little southern twang there. That was nice. Yeah, he's got the Louisiana accent. That one's too hard for me to kind of imitate. It's different. It's very specific. And, you know, Aaron Loop's just a special guy. So why even try, you know? Oh, my gosh. What a year that guy's putting up. I hope I hope pay him that they sign him up and give him all the money. Give pay him the whatever man money. he wants. Whatever yeah, he wants. He's such a good compliment for our bullpen. I know. You know, he he just takes takes so much pressure off of everybody else just because he's – so the two best things that you can be as a reliever – available which he is every day and reliable yep. you're gonna get the best version of him it's not always gonna be clean one two three inning but he's gonna go out there and be himself every time and that is the two best things that you can be as a reliever somehow some way aaron loop always gets brought up on an episode we always met we always manage to sneak it in i'm gonna say good job bullpen and i'm gonna talk about the lefty and aaron loop of course makes sense it's in my dna all right so that we got we got through our run through here. I want to give us a little bit of a today in Mets history. This is a very good one. I was very happy this one popped up because we just saw him uh, show up at the Dodgers game. Our boy David Wright, the captain, number five. This was the day in 2015 where he returned to the lineup in, uh, against Philly, and he homered in his first at-bat. Gary Cohen said he returns to the lineup with Thunder, which is like one of my favorite underrated Gary Cohen calls. And that game was sick for the Mets. They set the franchise record for home runs in a single game by hitting eight against the Phillies because Citizens Bank Park is a fun place to hit some bombs. David Wright, Juan Lagares, who I wasn't expecting to see there, Wilmer Flores, Travis Darno, Michael Kadire, remember when he was a Met, Daniel Murphy, and Yoenis Espedes all homer in a 16-7 to victory. I remember this game very well. I want to see uh, if you do as well because I know you were on the sidelines at this point. I was in Port St. Lucie watching, cheering it on. Like, I was so pumped for David. And it was a big one, early. Just popped it right off the bat. And I was just like, all right, we got our captain back. And that was, that was the to me, that was the beginning of us. Like, of that 2015 season when everybody got together. Um, that was special. I'm so, I was really happy to see him, you know, carrying his little boy around, showing off those biceps. Um, good. He's looking good. He's 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 starting to swell up. He's got so much free time. 
but it was nice, man. I, I love David. Um, I appreciated him as a player, but even more so as a human. And so anytime we can bring up the captain, I'm for it. We got him, of course. Yeah, he looked good. It didn't look like he had, had ever suffered an injury. He looked healthy, which is nice to see. And, you know, because, like, the last we saw of David, he was fighting through some stuff, and you know, it was hard sometimes. But it, it's nice to see him on the other side of things. Looks like he's enjoying life with his family. So that was very nice. I'm, I was happy he was there. Unfortunately, they didn't get a win for him, which sucked. But hopefully we see him at City Field. I, bl- I blame him for that loss. You it's think so? Fault. You think he he's took like so much distraction. It's all his fault. He's not allowed to show up. I was the reverse. I was like, show me more David. Don't show me the Mets because they're not playing. <laughs> Just show me the captain. Why that's not? also, that's a valid point. I'm, I might change my tune a little bit, but that's good. It's all about the way you spin it. Yeah. You want to talk about one of the, the, the greatest teammates of all time. He's in every person. Every person that's ever graced a clubhouse with him has to speak same. Oh, of course. All right. And then we also got jogging Jerry's memory, of course. All right. So I had to hunt a little bit. You didn't have a lot, a lot of August 24ths. You're not a big August guy, which has been tough for me because we just started the segment. That's strange. I know. Usually you're like in your injured seasons, maybe. you're back in September or maybe you're there in April. Got some full seasons, but then there's no August 24ths. I didn't know why. So I found one. None. I found oh, one. Oh, okay. Just, we had one. Just one. Okay. Uh, it's wow. Not, and in 13 years, in it's 13 the years, one time. Just one. It's incredible. It's not very remarkable, but I want to see if you remember any of these names because they sound like uh, like okay. creative players in MLB <laughs> show or whatever. You closed out a five nothing Oakland win in twenty ten uh, in twenty ten on this day with a one two three ninth. Very nice. The guys you retired are named Trevor Crow, Lou Marson, and Jason Donald. The only one I remember is Jason Donald because he's the one that hit the ground ball in the Galarraga perfect game. That was not. Oh, he was the guy that hit it. Is that the Twins? No, that's the Cleveland Indians. Okay. All right, cool. There you go. This is the Indians? This is the Indians. Lou Marson. Oh, I did. Yes. Okay. You remember this? Okay. I remember. I don't how? remember this game. I don't remember okay, cool. any I was going to say, it, how the hell I remember do you Lou- remember this? I don't. I don't. I'm not. I just, I'm not. I don't remember hardly anything. There's a, there's, <laughs> I'll sit down and they'll be like, hey, what'd you throw that 2-0 pitch? And I'll be like, hey, what? It was 2-0? Like, I just, I'm I so just locked into that moment is that once it's over, I'm able to like, just take a deep breath. You know, there's, there's only so much super hyper focus that you can have until you need to like breathe. Too many bush lights cloud the memory. I get that. (laughs) (laughs) Too many, too many. uh, What was it? Bay breeze. Malibu Bay breeze. Malibu Bay breeze. Too many of those. Too much sugar. That sounds like a hangover, man. Yeah. It's, it's bad. Like you can only have one. You can't like go crazy (laughs) with it. And like, I've seen people go crazy with it and how they fare afterward. Does it, does it come in one of those like coolers that sits on top of the, of the bar that's already pre-mixing? Like, is it? Yeah. And then you can get it in like a fun little beach cup or whatever, you know, a little sippy straw. The one that's like this tall with a, with a three foot long straw. Yeah. That sounds like not what I'm going to (laughs) do. That's not for me. Yeah, no, you're too grizzled with your air compressor and your whiskey. <laughs> or no, we said gin, not whiskey. <laughs> whiskey fits, Joe. My gin. Yeah. That's true. All right, guys. We've done enough fooling around. I, we're unreasonably happy considering how this team has performed. But, of course. We're excited. We're excited. Anticipation. Which is how we we're are. We're looking forward. About Mets baseball. it's going to be great. Yeah. So, we, we, got three, we got three winnable games here in San Fran. Hopefully, we come back to you guys on Friday with good news about injuries, about the wins, about anything Mets-related. But until then, 
yeah, I feel feel really good building forward. I feel like this is momentum. This is where we really start. This is where optimism and positivity actually turns into reality for us. And we're building momentum from the on the field in our podcast. This is it for us, Jolly. We're ready. <sighs> Fingers crossed, man. Fingers crossed. Let's Wanna come do back it. on Friday with good stuff. But that'll do it for this fifth episode of the Shea Station. Uh, for John Boy Media, I'm Jolly Olive, aka Jack. I'm Jerry Blevins. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you on Friday. Let's go Mets.